Welcome to episode 87 of the ABC GCI Coffee Break Podcast. My name is Allison Jackson, and I'm joined by Mike Maloney of Gould Construction Institute. Episode 87, we have a presenting partner, HazTech, and then we also have a lightning round sponsor, Gould Construction Institute. Mike, tell us a little bit about our presenting partners this month. All right. Well, we're uh, very proud and happy to have Aztec Safety Management on board, and they are the uh, they work with the clients to solve their safety challenges and support the work sites. They're the largest and most diverse team, uh, full-time safety experts in North America, and their mission is to enrich the health, safety, well-being of the employees, the customers, and their communities. Uh, you can find out more information about Haztec at HazTechInc.com. And then as far as GCI, you know, working for GCI has been an amazing experience. Uh, they are the training education affiliate for ABC Massachusetts. They've been around since 1983. And we provide all skilled trades training as well as professional management training, uh, waste safety, all that type of stuff, CPR, first aid. And, uh, you know, put school right on the corner. We talked about it before, but classes are filling up fast. If you're waiting to register for class, uh, prices go up on September 1st. Correct, Allison? So uh, prices go up September 1st. So the last chance to get the current pricing will be August 31st. Um, We just took a couple more classes off the website yesterday filling up fast so if you are waiting stop waiting just enroll um especially because there's so much information that has to be got um has to be sent to you before the school year starts and we want to make sure that you are set up for success and getting everything that you need so that you can walk into the classroom or log into your zoom classroom on your first day and be ready to go um so again, August 31st, last chance to get the current pricing. September 1st, prices go up again. Um, and then you will also not be guaranteed to get your books first day. GWGCI.org to register. And if you have any questions, feel free to email either of us. And we're happy to help. Awesome. Uh, one of the things we like to talk about here on the podcast is some pop uh, culture stuff and uh, some weird and wacky news this, this week in the weird and wacky news department. Going to talk about on NPR. They talked about some monster hunters conducting the largest search of Loch Ness in more than fifty years. Uh, Allison, your thoughts on the Loch Ness monster? Real, fake? I mean, this excites me. I'm always intrigued by a mystical creature of some sort, and like if it exists or not. The Loch Ness monster. I mean, it's been a myth, not a myth. It's been a conspiracy, I guess, for decades, not hundreds of years. I would like to see maybe a little bit more clear of the picture. There's a lot more underwater camera technology, so hopefully they'll be able to catch a glimpse at least of something. Um, I would like it to be real. Yeah. I mean, yeah, if they found something great, but this is somewhere beneath the shimmering surface of Loch Ness lies Nessie, the legendary sea beast whose reputation spans nearly 1,500 years at least. That's mm. monster hunters and Nessie enthusiasts from around the world hope to prove Saturday and Sunday. The Loch Ness Center and the research group Loch Ness Exploration are asking all aspiring monster hunters to join in on the biggest search since 1972. They're going to break out all sorts of technology, including survey equipment from the Loch Ness Center. And they say that they've never, some of this has never been used on the freshwater lake before. They'll fly drones with infrared cameras, fly over a lake, and hydrophone will be used on the surface to detect Nessie-like calls. They'll have volunteers participating in large surface walks of the loch, scanning the surface of any irregularities. Uh, the lake is a maximum depth of 788 feet. It's Great Britain's largest lake by volume, second largest by surface area. Uh, the first written accounts of a monster are attributed to the Irish monk St. Columba, 
encountered in 565 AD, and reports of a creature in the lake are depicted in ancient stone carvings found in the area. So, okay, that's what I was going to ask next because it's like 1500 years of this legend. How are we keeping track of that? Like, where did that first come from? But if it's legit stone carvings and monks passing down writings, then that answers my question. But I don't know. So if you're a Coffee Break podcast listener and you've got nothing to do and you want to go over to Scotland and look for Nessie with some monster hunters to go check it out, I don't think it's real. It'd be great if it was real. It's like the Sasquatch Bigfoot type of thing, right? People love to believe in mythical lore and mythical creatures but yeah there's something about sasquatch they oh what was it they stabilized the video um that like famous video in california and like the forest i think um they stabilized you know it was really shaky so they stabilized that one frame and it's kind of kind of nuts um definitely watch that you should throw a poll up on um instagram and see how many of our listeners believe that nessie is real versus the non-believers i would like to know personally so uh coffee break podcast podcast will keep track of uh if if there's an amazing discovery we'll have a breaking news we have an amazing discovery but uh this week on the podcast we're lucky to have justin deflamary he is uh the owner of optimal safety inspections out of new hampshire Uh, i had a pleasure of talking with him and he was an amazing person to talk to great energy um it's got some great information to pass on to our listeners about having a, a safe workspace. So let's hear it from Justin. Welcome to the podcast, my friend, Justin DeFlamary. Justin, welcome to the podcast. Appreciate you. For those who are listening at home and don't see the video, he's wearing an outstanding pink shirt for this wonderful Wait, summer on. I day. I got to show you the shoes, too. Oh, the pink shoes. Wow, those, <laughs> those Ferragamos? Yes. Wow, got the Ferragamos on. All right. How do I know about Ferragamo? Uh, a, a wise man once told me you, you could tell a lot about a man by the watch he's wearing and the shoes he's wearing. What's the type of, what type of watch you got on today? I got no watch no today, watch there. unfortunately. Right. The, the Ferragamos <laughs> knock out of the ballpark with the bright pink Ferragamo. So, Justin, for those who don't know who you are, tell us a bit about yourself and you know how you became involved even in the construction or safety realm. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me, Mike. Uh, so Justin DeFlamary, I'm the president, uh, owner of Optimal Safety Inspections. We're a consulting firm based out of New Hampshire. Uh, we service a lot of clients in uh, Massachusetts, around the Boston area, all the way up to you know uh, all parts of New England. I've been in the safety world for 12 years now. I started as a safety coordinator, worked my way up from the specialist to manager to director, and then I had um, a blessed opportunity to start my own career and working for myself. Being a consultant, it's great because I get to see all aspects of the business from consulting to agriculture to general industry. And it really lets me experience all different sides of safety and not just one realm of like, say, general industry or just construction. I get to see a big picture, which helps me with all my clients because I get to go and see, you know, what all things and what all uh, aspects of the business pertain to and how I can uh, intertwine that and help the clients. So that's been uh, a little background about me. I went to Keene State College, got my master's degree from Keene, which is considered, in my opinion, the number one safety school in the U.S. And, um, you know, they have a great education program there. I always uh, like to credit them because they've helped a lot of young safety professionals like myself uh, shine in the business. And we have a relationship here at ABC Mass and GCI because we do uh, partner with them a lot. There's actually an OSHA class that was going on right behind me, uh, the 510 class. So it's a pretty, pretty 
pretty extensive course. I mean, they hear all week, yes. which is pretty crazy, right? They were here last week with a bunch of people for a 502, is a 510. I don't know the numbers, <laughs> but I know we we partner with the folks up there, Sean Ryan and the and, and Jen English up there at the uh, Keene State Ocean Institute up there are fantastic. But yeah, Jen's so, awesome. Yeah. So, uh, what would you tell me was like your, what made you want to get into the safety side of things? It's a pretty deep. It's a pretty deep pool once you get in there. It's a lot to it. What made for you want sure. to get into the safety side? So I got recruited to Keene State for baseball and, um, you know, I had some things happen with my arm where the recruitment process didn't go as I liked. So I went there and I really wanted to be in law, go to law school. And however, since I was so focused on athletics, uh, you know, my advisor at the time stated that, you know, I should get into social science if I wanted to go uh, the law school route in the future. When I was in social science, Mike, it was like who the class was literally called like who was Christopher Columbus. So it was a whole semester on that. (laughs) It was like, yeah, these history classes that and I was just like falling asleep. And, you know, and then I went back to my advisor. I was like, I can't do this for four years. And she goes, well, safety's kind of like law. She goes, you know, you're, you're protecting the company. She gave me a great history of like what it is. And I remember this is a true story. Her name was Lana Blaze. I went to a construction safety course. The first class, she took us out to a construction site that was being built right off campus, but right across the street from our classroom. She walked in and she goes, they have to do this, this, this. And I was like, wow, to be able to walk into a building and just state like things to help keep people safe that no one really has that knowledge was fantastic. And I was hooked. And then boom, it was now I continue my education, got my master's there, and that's how I started in safety. It, have you ever? Do you now? Do you see yourself ever doing anything different other than safety because you're just so involved in it now? Yeah, no, I, I'm, you know, I will not change careers. I am blessed to find a career where I actually look forward to getting up every day, helping people, especially from the consulting world. When I was a site person, being a site person is fantastic as well. But like, again, I get the opportunity to go out to different clients, different aspects of the business. And one day I'm in a fish factory. The next day I'm on a construction site. The next day, you know, I'm in the dairy industry. It's just, it's amazing. And I guess not to name any names, but what, what was some of the, you know, outlandish safeties, maybe things that you've seen that people weren't working safely that you could talk about without naming names or were some of the yeah. craziest things? No, for sure. And I, and I, I know I have a lot of friends in consulting and I always say, we always, we're like uh, the after effects, you know, I'd rather have people be proactive than reactive right. and like, you know, and I'm not great at sales. I wish I was, you know, but I really would have Ferragamos on, uh, but, <laughs> but uh, you know, uh, some of the things I said is, people working at uh, tremendous heights without fall protection. That one really hits home with me because again, you know, if you're walking in the food manufacturing plant and you, there's some water on the floor, you know, you have a, you know, slips, trips and falls from that level. But um, we've had big major machine guarding issues where I was proud of actually coming in and helping uh, keep their employees safe because if we didn't start a machine guarding program, I guarantee there would have been some amputation. So that's one we see a lot. Um, chemicals is huge. You know, I always am saddened by uh, the Buffalo Wild Wing story that happened a few years ago at uh, where, you know, that employee mixed the wrong chemicals in Massachusetts, which really hit home to us. And, you know, so um, chemical safety is a huge one that I see as well that no one does, uh, meaning, you know, in certain aspects of the business, like, you know, I, I find that a lot of restaurants still aren't doing it, um, you know, hospitality workers. So that's one. Those are the top three. 
So, uh, and then one of the reasons why I found you on LinkedIn was, you know, again, we've said this before on the podcast is construction circles, not that big, especially up here in the Northeast, whether it be New Hampshire, Massachusetts, we all kind of hang in the same circles. We see the same things a lot. We see run into the same people. And then uh, what I wanted to talk to you about today was what are the top three ways you would, you know, have go in and consult with a company and tell them to keep their people safe. And I think yeah. we've touched about what would the number three thing be to keep your work workplace safe? So that's a great question. So top, so my top three, and we'll start from three to one yeah, yeah. is my, my third would first be practice what you preach. And what I mean by that is they need to see uh, engagement from leadership from the top down. Um, because once they see that leadership from like a supervisor or a manager, even the CEO, and they're preaching safety, like I always go in to my clients and I say, listen, we're not a bumper sticker. We're not going to just say safety first. We need to practice safety <laughs> right. first. There's a difference because listen, safety can be politics, right? It's like, hey, I'm, I'm great on the mic. You know, some people are, they'll say, hey, safety first. And then, you know, hey, they're not giving, uh, you know, the employees the proper PPE. Yep. They're not setting them up for success with training. And it's like, but you're saying safety safety first. So I think you need that top down engagement. And that also brings in the bottom up. So when they see these, hey, people from the top are actually getting engaged, the line employees, the associates are really rising up to their standards too. So it, that's, I'd say the top down leadership is it, number three. And we all know that safety is a culture in the company. We talk a lot about that with, with culture on the podcast before is, have you ever gone and talked to it and consulted with a company where you were like, we're more than a bumper sticker, safety first. And, and you got the guys that just, listen, I can't wear the heart out. It hurts my head. I don't wear the safety glasses. Eh, I don't I like that either. You know, they, they visit job set and they're like, well, I don't wear safety glasses. Right, I'm the boss. I don't want to get my, my Ferragamo's dirty, right? Or my, <laughs> get my Chino's dirty, right? Or my Ralph Lorenz. Have you ever had a time when you had to tell somebody, listen, no, if you're going to start safety first, you gotta, you gotta, preach it. Do you have a story like that? Yeah, correct. So uh, good call out too, because, you know, I, I, I always say I hate the employee that says, well, we've been doing it this way for so long and we haven't had an injury yet. Like yeah. if I had a number one safety slogan that upsets me the most, it's that one. It's like, you've been lucky for so long, but luck yep. runs out. Uh, so yeah, recently uh, we were up for a job bid and I went out it was actually a construction company. I'll, you know, I'll say it's in uh, Maine, but, and, uh, you know, at one point we got the bid and I just, I wouldn't take the job actually, because, um, you know, just their core values didn't add up to my core values. And I didn't want to put my name to the safety program. Some of the things that I saw, you know, was the verbiage that they were saying like, Hey, you know, we we're, we're okay over here. And I'm like, well, you're really not. And, you know, and, you know, we just want you to focus over here. And yep. again, if I'm representing the company, I wanted to make sure, again, we're talking about top-down engagement. I want to make sure that my core values line up with their core values because I'm putting my name to it. So, all right. So number three was practice what you preach. It starts with leadership, works its way down. And like you said, it trickles its way down through the top and virtually gets to the bottom and then it rises to the top again. What's your yep. number two ways to keep the workplace safe? Uh, my number two would be a reporting system. And what I mean by that is I don't mean like, hey, injuries or I mean accidents and near misses. So you know, and positive and negative. A lot of times I'll go into these companies, Mike, and I'll say, hey, show me a near miss reporting system. Well, we don't have one. Or if they do, it's just, all right. And it's, it'll say like accident, how would, you know, and a lot of times they don't even ask for employee feedback. They just say, hey, write it up. We forget to recognize the positive recognition. I could go into any building as a consultant and just say, you're doing this wrong. You need to fix this, this, and this. 
every inspection report I have ever written in the last three and a half years of owning a consulting firm, I make sure I put at least five positives that the company's doing in there because no one, and even myself, if someone audited me, right, I, they could tell you what I'm doing wrong all day, but I need to hear what I'm doing right and then how you can coach me to become better. So I think a near miss program is uh, my number two, but I want to make sure that the near miss program is done right. You need to solicit positive feedback as well, and you need to make sure that you engage your audience to how they would fix it. And that's what I see a lot in the field that's not happening is they'll ask for your feedback, you give them a problem, but you're not giving them a chance to recognize the solution. And when you get your line employee to have that fix and hear their voice be heard and establish the fix, that will change your culture. Right, and that's that's exactly connected directly connected to the culture of the company right? when employees aren't afraid to report things like that and then the higher-ups the executives reward the positive behavior which is fantastic so number two is reporting systems things like accidents and near misses having a real uh system in place do you provide that type of system do you suggest a system for the employee for that company or are you like you know here's here's your again old school is your notebook is your log book you know log <laughs> your safety things right i'm sure you, people still have that right so have a, uh, a index card index oh, file system right the stuff I saw. crazy uh and then uh the number one what's the number one way companies can keep their workplaces safe yeah i'm gonna blow your mind what Make it fun. And what do Whoa. I mean by that? Make it fun. So I know you follow me on LinkedIn. I, I'm blessed to have a, a, a good following on LinkedIn. Just last week we posted, you know, we had to start a company's um, hazard recognition program. So what we did was we outlined, you know, a crime scene. It was called Safety CSI. And we had caution tape around. We put like, uh, you know, crime scene numbers by everything. We gave them a scenario. We had CPR dummies as the employees who got hurt, fake ketchup around with blood. And they had to go in and recognize everything that caused this accident. But here's the kicker. I took all of their accidents and near misses and incorporated that into the crime scene. So it was all things that were on the floor that wow. now everyone got to look. So like there was a damage fall protection that should have been taken out of service um, when we inspected them because it had a slice in it. So we, we had them hanging from that. Did people check it? The ladder didn't have the duty rating stickers on it, right? Things that all were written up that now I want all the staff to see. And it went over so well, people reached out to me on LinkedIn. But again, when you make training fun, instead of, I could have just said a PowerPoint, here's a hazard, right? Here's a hazard, here's a hazard, right? But like, and you know, even for any training that we've ever done for OSI, Optimal Safety, we have made it fun. Now, don't get me wrong, some are more fun than others. When we do ladder training, you know, that's not going to be as fun as safety CSI, but we incorporate some type of hands-on activity to make it fun. I love it. Uh, anything else? like that that you've done so that sounds like an amazing like imagine like i said people won't remember a powerpoint right uh yeah hey they go back to their wife or the kids uh i listen to some guy talking about the safety today blah 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 the guy was boring but they went home and said i went to work and there was dummies and fake ketchup and they were like you know lattice ducks and crime scene tape and like shock dummies and chalk markings all like what else is what else is some stuff that you've done that made it fun one of the coolest ones we've ever done was reasonable suspicion training. So we got um, the drunk goggles off Amazon. We had uh, a scooter and the, we'd have like, and you have to pick the right people you get with plant management ahead of time. You have, you know, uh, someone ride a scooter with uh, the goggles on and obviously a helmet and elbow pads in case they fall. We outline duct tape on the floor. Right. Yeah. And then we have them drive the scooter and then we have we'd have them change the goggles out. So we did a lot of fun stuff with reasonable suspicion, bloodborne pathogen. We use shaving cream. Um, 
um, you know, and clean up kits to see how, you know, the employees would react. And if you get the shaving cream or ketchup on yourself, you know, cross-contamination, how do you handle it? One of the, uh, another fun one we just did last week, we host uh, some client safety committee meetings. So we took the employees out on the floor. We put um, Vaseline on safety glasses and taped them. Then we spun the employees around and said, now you got chemicals in your eyes, go to the nearest eye wash station. Uh. And they love that. So those are just some of the fun stuff that we do for some of our clients. Again, imagine like that sticks with them. Yeah. Right. For a, a, probably a lifetime rather than just listening to Justin speak about safety on a PowerPoint, some boring, boring old PowerPoint. Let's watch some YouTube videos. Right. Well, Mike, you've been in the field. If I just came up to you, right. And I was like, hey, Mike, let's talk about your nearest eyewash station. You're going to be like, OK. But now if I did that, you're like more apt to like, yeah. hey, that was really neat. Yeah. And I can't, I can't tell you how many times, you know, I worked for the railroad for many years, a long time ago, and I, I mean, I was much younger, right? I was bulletproof back then. So, oh, oh, you want me to, you want me to get on the forks of a fork truck and you're going to put me up 30 feet in the air and I'm going to get something on top of something? I can do that. No problem. Your feet are all wet from the soap on the floor. Like, what was I thinking? The kid, yeah. Or, you know, uh, cleaning locomotives without proper respiratory or eye protection or like, you know, I'm not going to wear my eye protection because I can't see what I'm doing or, even at home, right? How many times I've been at home? I'm like, I'm going to weed whack. I'm like, safety glasses? Nah, I'm good. <laughs> and I go out and I get a big chunk of rock near my eye. I'm like, holy cow, I could have blinded myself. Um, and then I know that um, just doing some research on you, I know you were the 2019-2020 Grand State Safety Professional of the Year Award, which is pretty fantastic. I think that's an awesome thing. Do you want to talk a bit about that? What made you, what set you apart, I guess, to win that award? Uh, thank you. Uh, always very humbled by that. And I love the ASSP. Um, and that, that was neat because my plant, my boss at the time wrote that on my behalf. I didn't even know I was, you know, getting it. And, um, and it was really cool to hear, like, uh, I was on the e-board then and all my peers that I went to school with, it was cool to hear the vote in the night. That was one of the, uh, most precious awards that I was had the luxury to receive because my peers voted in front of me and that was neat to hear but I think some of the things that um to answer your question which was written about me not how I feel about myself yeah. I just want to clarify that yeah. is uh and so I was um I I was the member charter meaning like or I forget the exact title but I had to go out my job was to make people join ASSP and I said listen it's easy. It's like a realtor who like just answers a cold call. I got to sell a house. I need to find a house. Well, that's right. great. You call me. That's easy. But so I took it different and I went out to the frontline leaders of different companies and I said, hey, I want to talk to your supervisors and managers because if we engage them in safety, so kind of like what I just told you as my number three, and that's what I firm, I, I want to practice what I preach, right? And I don't want to be that bumper sticker. Right. And, uh, and I went into companies and I said, hey, I want to talk to your frontline leaders. And we got supervisors and managers and leads to sign up for ASSP and join instead of just the safety professionals. And I thought that was great. And the chapter at the time thought it was great. And then another thing that we did is, I, again, I'm very passionate about Keene State because I wouldn't be anywhere where I am today without them. And, um, you know, and it was great that they uh, recognized me for something else in the field, too. And one of the things we did, I wanted to give back to the students because when I went through the program, I'm going to be honest, you know, no one told us, hey, not everyone likes safety. Not oh, yeah. in and, you know, it's all safety professionals. So yep. like, I was like, everyone loves us. And then yep. I get to the field and I'm like, Ooh, so 
I uh, helped establish with Brian Bethel, who was a professor there and a great friend, uh, a mentorship program where we would take students and let them job shadow me and come to my job sites. And at one point we had 25 kids in four different groups and uh, we let them get firsthand experience for their resume. So a talking point, because I didn't have that luxury and I wanted somebody to do that for me. So I wanted to do it to the students. And uh, that went over amazing. And it's cool because like out of those 20 students, either on LinkedIn or Facebook or Instagram, I'm friends with, I'd say, you know, 15 of them and I still yep. stay in touch here and there. It's great. That's great. And then, so uh, I know that also you do some team building stuff like that, but back to the baseball side of things, how does baseball, because I'm a baseball, I, I did not play college baseball, any stretch of the imagination, <laughs> but um, I'm a baseball guy. <clears throat> baseball, how do you tie baseball into what you're doing? Do, and do you do that? I guess I should ask that question. How do you, you know, as a baseball, big team mentality, teamwork, right? Yep. How, how do you, how do you tie it all together? For well, experience? so it's, that's a good question. So one, I'm going to answer your question with an engagement activity. Uh, so for we play safety ball. So we'll have the safety committee come up. We'll ask them OSHA related questions or questions off test training. So as our recap, you know, because a lot of times people give the test and then they set it and forget it till the annual training next year. So what we do is like three months in with the safety committee, we'll play safety ball where they'll come up and it's kind of like Jeopardy or Family Feud. You can ask single questions, double questions, triple questions or a home run. And the team with the most points at the end wins the game and they'll win like a pizza party or something fun like that, which is really cool. Um, but how to tie it in from a team building perspective is, you know, again, it was just be more like practice. You know, you have to look out for one another and really build that core. And how do you build that core? Well, again, it's, it all ties into training and, and making it fun and going through something with someone at work in a fun way. Like, hey, you're going to go investigate this crime scene with three of your peers. And they had fun. And now they're like, oh, Johnny ain't so bad or Rhonda isn't so bad. Right. Hey, how are you, Rhonda? We had fun right. in there and you build that relationship. Yeah, love it. All right. So this is Justin DeFlamary. He is from Optimal Safety Inspections, OSI, correct? Yes. He is a award winner. Yeah, we're speaking of a real award winner here. And how do they get a hold of you, Justin? They want to get a hold of you. Yep. So uh, you can follow my LinkedIn, Justin DeFlamary. We have uh, business pages, optimal underscore safety for Instagram and optimal safety inspections on LinkedIn. And feel free to you know message me or reach out on my personal pages as well. All right. Now comes uh, my personal favorite part of the podcast. It's going to be the lightning round. We're going to ask right. Justin 10 rapid fire questions. We don't like passes. So no passing. Uh, who is your childhood actor or actress crush? Oh, Kelly Kapowski. If you were left on a deserted island with either your worst enemy or no one, which would you choose and why? Uh, no one to really see what I would have to go through by myself. Uh, what is your favorite sandwich and why? Oh, uh, veal palm. And just because I'm Italian. <laughs> you had to delete all but three apps from your smartphone. Which ones would you keep? Three apps to keep on your phone. LinkedIn, so I can run my business. <laughs> um <laughs> Facebook, so I could stay in touch with my family who's spread out throughout the U.S. And ESPN. Uh, you're going to sail around the world. What's the name of your boat? Ooh, uh, The cannoli. Favorite breakfast food? Veggie omelet. Who's a better businessman, uh, Elon Musk or Mark Zuckerberg? Elon Musk. Are you a traveler or a homebody? Traveler. Uh, what's your favorite meal to cook and why? Ooh, um, I would say, oh, pizza, hands down, and I could eat pizza every single day. Yeah, yeah I'm with you. I'm with you. Uh, <laughs> what's the weirdest food you've ever eaten? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I would say when I went to 
uh, oh, that's a good one. Dal Taka from an Indian place. Oof. It was just very spicy, and I've never had like lentils cooked like that. It was very oh. good, though. Uh, if you could choose any person from history to be your friend, who would it be and why? Ooh. I would choose any person from history. Yep. Christopher Columbus, and I would talk to him about the class that I went through. <laughs> A ridiculous history class. Uh, would you rather live where it only snows or the temperature never falls below 100? Where it oh, that only snows. Uh, if you could have the power of teleportation right now, where would you go and why? I would go to Italy, and it's been my dream. And when I got my master's, I wanted to go, but they were closed for right. restrictions. And then because of the Coffee Break podcast, we'd like to ask you, how do you like your coffee? Black with a little cinnamon in it. A little cinnamon. And then where's your go-to coffee place? Do you have a kind of a, 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 a niche place to go to, or do you go to like a, a chain place? I go to chain. I go Starbucks. Oh, he's a Starbucks guy. All right. Yeah. Well, well, that's that's, that's what people, people. I'm from the Northeast. <laughs> I'm probably not a Dunkin' guy, but you know, you never know. You never know. Yeah. All right. So that's it's our friend me. Justin. If you want to get a hold of Justin, you can find him on LinkedIn. I'll put the uh, link in the video when we release the video. But thanks, Justin, for having. Yeah. God, it's been great. Yeah. Thank you, Mike. All right. Thanks a lot. can't thank Justin enough for being on with us. It was great to speak with him. Uh, after we recording stop, we chatted for a bit, uh, even though he's a Yankees fan. He's still a good guy. Uh, I'm hoping that uh, we can get him to, to come on again with us. But if you are in the safety realm of things, he has some great pointers for uh, making sure your workplace is super safe. Uh, as we make our way through the summer, only a couple of weeks left of the summer here. Allison, what do we have for upcoming trainings? Well... The trainings for the summer are done, but going into September, early fall, we have a construction supervisor license prep for exam class. It's going to be September 5th, 12th, 19th, and 26th. You do have to attend all four nights to get all the information that you need to pass this test. Then September 9th, we'll have a hoist 1C2A continuing education class from 7 a.m. to 3.30 p.m., and then we'll have an in-person hot work safety for safety certification for Massachusetts class on September 11th from five to eight. Um, and if you can't make that date, we always have a hot work safety certification for Massachusetts class online, 24 seven available for you. Um, it only takes about three hours, just like the in-person class, all of these classes and the rest of the classes through December, 2023 can be found at gwgci.org forward slash events. Excellent. And now comes uh, my personal favorite part of the podcast. It is time for the news. You and, and you uh, alone. I'm just yeah. kidding. <laughs> just favorite. kidding. Uh, tap on the back here, but it's the time for the news. Uh, this week in the news, we're talking about some upcoming events. We have the last blast of summer and associate supplier members marketplace taking place on August 31st from four to seven down at the Coven Fall River. It's going to be a great place to celebrate the last few days of summer while networking with fellow ABC Mass members. Enjoy a few cocktails or d'oeuvres, taking in the spectacular views as the summer winds down. You'll also have the opportunity to meet with and learn more about the associate members and how you can take advantage of the benefits they offer. So if you would like to attend this event, please reach out to carol at abcma.org. Uh, the Building Your Foundation Contractor Fundamental Seminar Series kicks back up in a couple of weeks, uh, starts back up in September. Uh, so reach out to Carol, same thing, if you want some information. Uh, there's a legal roundtable taking place Thursday, September 28th. Uh, we've got uh, September 29th as a lunch and learn, new members and associate members and suppliers here at the Woburn office, September 29th from noon to two. 
if you're a new member, love to have you here. And I'm personally looking forward to uh, this, this save the date. October 26th is the Joe Kenny fundraiser. Going to take place second year in a row at Bear Moose Brewing out Everett Mass. Last year was a, a great time. So much fun. It was so much fun there. What a great spot, right? You never mm-hmm. know there's such a super cool spot there in Everett. It's a, it's a beautiful uh, brewery. It's fantastic there. And yep. don't and the Kennys the Kennys know how to have fun. So I'm yeah. super excited to see them again. The, the Kenny group is I might make time. I might stick around yeah. after that because last time you stuck around last time, right? I had a good time. I did, yeah. Uh, I almost I, closed it down with them. It was great. I, I actually left my water bottle there last year and never <laughs> went to get it back. So we'll see if it's there this year. <laughs> uh, I might stick around after that, I think too. But and then we've got the uh Excellence of Construction Awards. Uh, Thursday, November 2nd. If you never attended, it's a, a f- another fantastic event. You hang out with some members. Uh, last year, the uh, the speakers at last year's Excellent in Construction Awards were were great. Weren't they, Allison, last year, the speakers? Last year at the Iker Awards? Oh, the MCs? Yes, MCs. Oh, they were the best MCs that I've yeah. personally ever experienced yeah. in my entire life. Ask your friends, right? Everyone had a great time. Uh, in member updates, we've got the Conley Brothers. They've completed a project for New England Academy. Uh, over in Marshfield, it's a uh, New England Academy is a private special education school, and they served as architect and construction manager for both projects. Uh, Procopio Companies bring Maine's first club Pilates location to Portland, so congratulations to them. Uh, Callahan completes construction on the on the 600 development in Boston, the beautiful building. Uh, they recently announced the completion of the 600 mixed use project. It's a six story residential project. Located near public transportation in the Encore Boston Har- Harbor Resort Casino. Uh, well, congratulate Groom uh, has chosen construction firm of the year. They announced hiring of three new employees. Uh, congratulations to them. Welcome to the team. And as usual, if you want to be on the Coffee Break podcast, reach out to me, Mike, at gwgci.org. Uh, we'd love to have exciting members, you know, exciting guests, things like that. Great. Uh, and thanks to the sponsors of the newsletter, Kenny and Sam's and Patriot Benefit Service. So thanks to them. Uh, lots coming up next couple of weeks. We've got a packed house here full of guests going into the fall. It's going to be a great time. Uh, like we said at the top of the podcast, if you have not registered to take classes at GCI, do not wait. Uh, if you usually wait till September 1st or that's what you do, we're going to try to get you to register early. Classes are filling up fast. So if you go online and can't get into your class, it's because it's full and was taken down. And mm-hmm. it, it, good chance you're not going to get to class. So. Yeah, but still reach out because um, we may be able to put you on a wait list in case people do drop out of the class. So don't, if you do end up waiting, but you don't end up getting in the class that you get in, reach out to Diane because she'll be able to at least write your name down and know that you are interested in a class if something does open up, um, even mid-year. And then you can do makeup classes, I'm sure. Um, anything else, Mike? This is fantastic. Don't forget, check us out on our new YouTube channel. We've got quite a few people watching us on YouTube. Like, tag, follow, sh- uh, share. Like I said, Allison's a great job with social media, so follow us on there as well. Yep. With that, we'll catch you next week. Thanks for tuning in.